Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. about demons, those nasty little imps, right? So demons in the Bible are oftentimes pictured speaking through humans. And you know what's crazy? Like, walk with me here for a second. You don't have to actually get up. But demons, they used to be angels, right? They're chilling in like the throne room of heaven. And then when Satan does all that shenanigans, that Lucifer guy, you know, Ezekiel chapter 11, you know what I'm talking about, even if you don't know the references, he falls and he actually thinks that he is like God and he deserves worship. And he takes a bunch of angels with him. So track with me for a second. Angels are here and they're powerful angelic beings that worship and love God, right? And then they follow Satan over here and they become demons, And in the Bible, we see angels do crazy things. They are filled with so much power, able to do battle and fell. Is that really a word? Anyways, fell or like slay mighty armies and like just freaking dumpster people. There's like angels of death that just like freaking take people out, dude, like by the millions and by the tens of thousands. Like these are powerful, powerful beings. In Daniel chapter 10, there's even pictured as warring angels. Sometimes they fight in the natural and sometimes they fight in the spirit right? And so basically what I'm trying to tell you is angels are really, 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 really powerful, right? And then suddenly there's all these fallen angels that are kind of like demons. And most of the time in scripture, when we see the fallen angels, they're just speaking through human beings. And it makes me start to wonder why. Why are they just speaking through human beings? And I think there's two reasons why I see how that could be true. And in either case, it has a message for us as believers. I think either Demons are so puny and powerless that the only way they can impact our world is by finding a being that does have authority and to try to move through that being. So if they can do anything to influence someone who does have power because they're powerless, they don't have the authority to exercise the powers they have access to, then they can actually impact this world. Then they can advance Satan's goal to kill, steal, and destroy. So if a demon can influence someone who has authority, like a human being who was given authority by God, that demon can utilize that human by lying to them, by suggesting them to do things to kill, steal, and destroy in this world, right? So that's option number one. Option number two is what if demons do have access to some amount of power, even if it is like way, way lower than the saints and angels, but they see that the most effective way to actually advance their goal to kill, steal, and destroy is to impact people's words. So I don't care which option it is. I think the point is that we really have to guard our words, right? Because it's clear that a lot of the times, demons, their strategy seems to be or seems to result in them controlling what people think and what they say. And they're going after their words. Every time Jesus is you know, seen casting out demons, when there's actually details, like sometimes it's just like any cast demons out of all of them and everyone with diseases was healed. You know, and these are awesome verses. But every time there's an actual story, It's always picturing, not always, but it's often picturing these people that are talking and the demons influencing what they say. I think those words are powerful to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's why the demons go after that person's language. And I tend to lean more on this side, not just the delegated authority that demons are just powerless, but they actually believe the best way that they can kill and steal from the bride of Christ and from the church is actually to get the bride of Christ to start doing things like complaining, gossiping, insulting other people, insulting themselves, saying all these nasty things, right? (laughs) Nasty. (laughs) 
And so what I think is crazy here is that when we are powerless in the way that we speak, when we allow demons and outside forces to influence the vocabulary that we choose, that we're making an opening for Satan to be able to advance his purposes on the earth, to kill and to steal and destroy. And so that's why I think sometimes it's so important to really recognize that this isn't just me looking in the mirror, that what I choose to say, even internally in my mind, has a lot of power. And if there's a lie that comes in my head that says that I am ugly, that's not from the God who calls me beautiful, <laughs> right? And so that's probably from one of those nasty little lying imp demonic little things, right? <laughs> and so you got to reject it. Because even if you give it space in your thought, it's giving it power. And I think sometimes we're so quick to say things like, I'm fat or I'm ugly. And like I said, maybe, maybe you do want to lose some pounds for the Lord or something like that. Like, that's cool with me. But I think there's a difference between describing yourself as like, I am fat. I think sometimes there's a whole mindset behind that. Sometimes people, it's a very medical explanation. But like I said, like this whole thing doesn't have as much to do. Most of, these, most of the time when people have body image issues and they see themselves in a negative way, it has nothing to do with the facts. It has nothing to do with the BMI index. And you could show them, here on this chart, you're actually not fat and you're in the whatever healthy category. They they won't care at all because they don't have a rational problem to begin with, right? Their problem is something that's emotional. Their problem is something else that's deeper, right? And so you could show them all these facts and all this proof and it won't really change their mindset. There's something else that needs to get healed. And so now I want to keep going after this words example. And it's not going to come up on the screen, but Proverbs 18.21 talks about how our tongue, the tongue of human beings, actually has the power to create life and the power to destroy it. That the power of life and death actually resides in the tongue. And so I think not just to demons and those nasty little imps, but also to God, what we choose to say is actually of extreme importance. That heaven has been tasked with influencing what the believer says. And that hell has been tasked to try to kill, steal, and destroy on the earth by influencing the words that human beings say. I mean, how much strength do these words have? How many times have you heard stories or possibly lived the life of a child that had a father say something to them, something demeaning, something horrible? Like you're never going to measure up, or you aren't enough, or you're a screw-up, or you're an idiot. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be a curse word. It could just be you're an idiot, or you're a screw-up. And sometimes the people that end up in the counseling office, you're talking about all these things. Sometimes they've had demonic struggles, all this stuff, and all of it really just goes back. So when their father didn't love them, and he called them an idiot, and then he left, and he wasn't there for them. And that was how they started to see themselves. That was how they started to see their identity. Words really can destroy. They can steal all the joy. They can destroy so much. But like we talked about in the beginning, our thesis, God is full of infinite power and wisdom. And I believe words are the actual most effective means to create anything. Even things like paintings, I think there's words and thoughts behind all of that. I think every painting and every piece of art, every creative expression tells a story. Even if it's something you want to say is beyond words, I think it still preaches a message and it still conveys a message that can actually be understood to a degree with words. Even if there are some things that are like beyond it and body language and facial stuff, I still think you can describe that body language or at least attempt to with words. And I think there's a word behind creativity. I mean, at minimum, that person who is dancing was created by God using a word, and Jesus Christ himself calls himself the word, right? <laughs> so let's talk about our power to create a little bit. Point number two is that 
we have the power to create things with our words, that our words can actually create life. So what if instead of some of the car accident and fatness and like I'm never going to get married or I'm a slob or some of the other things that we say over ourselves, what if we decided to say encouraging and awesome things over self? Before this sermon, I was actually telling myself this is actually going to be the best sermon that I've ever preached in my life. And I really think that our words, our declarations to create, whether we fully believe them or not, saying those things like I'm beautiful, saying those things like I'm confident, saying those things like I am a champion, they really are true. And you might not know that it's Romans 8.28, although a lot of us really know that one. Or you might not know that it's Romans 8.1, or you might not know that it's Romans 8.18, but there are Bible verses for almost all the declarations out there. For those positive, encouraging things you say, Oftentimes, that's why I look or I use the Bible verses that I do know to come up with the declarations that I do say over myself, because I have conviction that these things are, in fact, true about myself, that whether I feel it or see it in my experience, that if this Bible verse actually tells me that God loves me and he believes that I'm awesome, then I am actually really, really awesome, then I am actually really valuable. I am worthy of love. I am confident. I am a conqueror. I'm a champion. And I think we can tie it to these Bible verses. And here's why I think it's so important. Because speaking actually has the ability to create new things. In those places where we don't feel beautiful, that our words of saying that we're beautiful actually have so much more power than we realize. Let me give you another example from my life. You know, I was talking to one of my friends, I was talking to Brianna, and I remember one time there's this conversation that we always talk about that we had. Um, and I was, we were just hanging out and then she said something like, I asked her like how her day was and then she said something and then she asked me how my day was and I said, you know what? I actually had a good day and I was like really surprised. This is back when I was like depressed and cynical, right? I actually had a really good day and I was really surprised and I said, that doesn't happen often. And then she just gave me this kind of funny look and she's like, oh, that's really weird because I have good days all the time. And then she actually walked away. So she wasn't trying to be rude or dishonoring in that moment or whatever, but you can imagine, you know, being my little cynical self, how that was a little bit, <laughs> how that was a little bit challenging and offensive to me. But like Taylor was talking about before, that really pushed me to grow. And that was a significant moment with me that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life because God spoke to me and basically said, why don't you have good days all the time, you know? And that wasn't even like a super encouraging, like, God, that's so good. That's so awesome, you know? And I was like, why don't I have good days all the time? And I had to go home and rethink my life. Have you seen that in Star Wars? It's like, you want to buy some death sticks? And he's like, no, I got to go home and rethink my life, you know? <laughs> so I just felt like God did one of those to me. He just whoosh. And then I like, God, that wasn't even encouraging. That was just like your power hitting my mind. And then I'm like, now I have to go home and rethink my life, you know? <laughs> and so anyways, if you haven't seen Star Wars episode two, you're probably like, that was all really weird, right? <laughs> so <laughs> anyways, what if it's episode one? Anyways, I think it's two. But um, so our words have the power to create. And when I started to speak differently, my life started changing. And here's what I mean. My thoughts about my day, how it was going to go, 
the things that I would say about my day. When people used to ask me, this is another example. When people used to ask me, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? This is a real thing. I was in an inner varsity, inner varsity shout out. I was in an inner varsity Bible study, one of the small groups, and we were having the application time where we talk about questions. You know, what was that acronym? I can't even remember, but there was like a three-letter acronym where it's like, you know, the identification and then the application, something like that. And then we were in the application time, right? And they're like, and they, they were so honest and genuine and like loving Jesus, joyful people. And they're like, David, where do you see yourself in five years? And I started to say something. And then someone like really quick is like, hey, actually be honest with us. And I was like, oh, you want me to be honest? And I was like, okay. And I was like, where I see myself in five years is like, I don't even think I'm going to be alive. I've always thought that I was going to die before the age of 22. Because <laughs> I was really young in college. I was like 17, 18, right? So they're asking me about where I see myself in five years. I thought I was going to die before I ever hit 22. And I just told them straight up. And everyone was there in our little Bible study. We didn't even break up into smaller, small groups. It was just like eight people, you know, we're studying the Bible together. And it's like, David, where do you see yourself in five years? Be honest. And I'm like... I think I'm going to be dead. (laughs) Again, that was not received very well (laughs) with the crowd. You know, in my mind, it made a lot of sense, you know, because I've been believing it for years and I've been speaking it over myself. But everyone else was like, they were shocked. (laughs) You know, that's not how you win points with the crowd, I learned. (laughs) And so anyways, one of the reasons, one of the things that turned everything around for me, that caused me to become an optimist, was actually starting to ask myself the question, Like, what's more likely to happen? Some of the things that I'm asking myself, like these car accidents, like dying, like all this stuff, or the other thing, right? The reason pessimism felt so good was because pessimism to me was realism. And that's why I was so confident to back it up with my words. Because some people would have rose-colored glasses and they would choose to see the world in a certain way, but I would see clearly. And I would say, this is just how it is, this is the facts, and this is what's going to happen next, right? You know, odds are you are going to get in a car accident, <laughs> you know, because I used to run those insurance odds and do the equations and stuff. And I, I came to the conclusion, like they did, that it's a 100% chance, <laughs> right? So anyways, what's crazy is that when I started to be honest with myself, some of the things that I was scared of happening to me, even though they were likely... There was very little that I was doing in my life. Remember the car accident example, especially like holding the wheel really hard. <laughs> you know, there was very little that I was doing in my life to actually cause these things to happen. There was a couple things here and there. I probably would have driven better if I wasn't stressed out and stuff like that, right? But there was like maybe one or two things that I was doing that could have caused these negative things to happen. And one of them was speaking all this negative, nasty stuff over my life. And it's actually pushing me closer to this reality that I see, right? But what's crazy is that... When optimism was presented to me, it was always presented as something hollow, as something with no structure and no foundation. What's the reason that you actually think any of these good things are gonna happen to you? Is it just because good things happen to good people? And no one could give me, especially because I didn't wanna hear it, no one could give me good reasons you know, at the time that I would recognize as to why these good things would happen. But there was a day where I realized that you could make your own reasons like these declarations and using these words over yourself, you could start doing things to make your perspective, your paradigm, your worldview into a reality. And so suddenly I was left with, there are these eight strategies that I can do to actually make my dream or make my goal into a reality and cause it to happen. Like if I want to have more friends in my life, I can do this to find friends. I can speak over it. I can pray to God, right? I can do all these things. And I was left with like, man, there's these eight things that I'm doing to ensure and produce these good things happening in my life. And for the negative stuff, I'm not doing anything (laughs) to really make that happen. Once I changed my vocabulary over, 
there was only like eight good reasons why my idea of good things that were going to happen really would happen. And so then I started asking myself, what really is more likely? Maybe it is likely sometimes that you are going to get a car accident. But like I said, if you're doing all these things and you pray about it when you drive, is it really more likely that your prayer is going to be completely unanswered, that you driving cautiously is going to do absolutely nothing and avail to nothing, that you doing this, 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 and this is not going to measure up and you're still going to get into an accident? Or is it more likely that you're probably just not? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so especially with those things like, you know, never getting married and stuff like that, it makes a lot more sense. Like, here's the eight things that I'm doing to change my life. And Here's the declarations that I speak over myself every single day. And is it more likely that all of that stuff is going to do absolutely nothing, including the prayers that I pray with faith, believing that God can actually change my situation? It's all going to do nothing, and I'm still going to end up in that place where I'm never going to get married. I'm still going to end up in that place where all these horrible things happen to me, where all these people reject me, where I don't make any friends, where I don't graduate in four years, where I don't this, where I don't that, where I don't get that job, right? And I discovered when you're doing things and saying things to make your vision into a reality, it's way more likely that your vision, that your positive idea is actually going to come to pass because there's a reason for your hope. And sometimes the only reason that I could find is that I asked Jesus and that I prayed to him, right? And I asked him that when I wasn't enough and I couldn't do it, that he would do it for me. And those words changed everything. And so I want to kind of finish with Ephesians 4.29. You don't have to turn there right now, but it basically says, I'm reading out of the NET version. You're like, what is that? You're like, that's the New English translation. It sounds a lot like the New King James anyways. So it says, you must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only say what is beneficial that those who are listening might be built up and that it may give grace to those who hear. And I want to talk a little bit about the power of our words to encourage other people. We talked a lot about how you can have a positive idea for your life in a positive direction. You can make it into a reality by speaking it out. But I want to end with the fact that Jesus doesn't just tell us not to say negative things, but he goes a step further and he says, say things that will actually encourage and build up other people. And he takes it one more step further, re releasing a theological truth of awesomeness, of epic proportions that I never realized until I was age 20 three, maybe 24. Uh, I basically found it out this year, and I can't remember when, <laughs> but I found it out this year from Bill Johnson, and it says that God may actually give grace to the people that we're building up and encouraging. That means that every time you encourage someone else, it releases grace in their life, and we all know what grace is. Grace is that ability to do what you couldn't do before. It's that supernatural enabling of God for you to be able to do something you couldn't do before. How do we know that? When they talk about the law versus grace, right? The law required that we do all these things. You've got to follow all these commandments, and if you don't, you're going to die. And everybody died and failed, right? But grace actually says Jesus is going to empower you so that you can do these things. He's not just going to forgive you, but he's going to empower you to live out this lifestyle that you could not do before. So it's more than just getting salvation. He's allowing you to do things and live a certain way of purity that you could not do without his power and strength. That means that when I encourage people, even if it's just telling some random girl that she's beautiful, that it actually releases grace in that person's life for them to be able to do things and believe in themselves in ways they could never do before. And it's not just me. And especially, you know, like with some of those things, like there doesn't have to be some romantic aspect to it. It's just like, hey, you're beautiful. It can be a supernatural gift from God that encourages and propels and pushes and like skyrockets that person to go further than they could have ever gone in their life. And like we talked about in the father example, haven't we seen examples of people that have good fathers that encourage them 
that propel them to go further, and you see the fruit of it in their life, that sometimes one, two, three encouraging words can go so far in that person's life that they can always remember that moment. I remember when that person encouraged me, and I'm going to hold on to that for the rest of my life. I remember when I was crying full of snot with a bunch of the guys from Crux and praying with Pastor Andrew, and he told me, you have what it takes. And I will remember that moment at a crux camp for the rest of my life. That encouragement released grace and the ability for me to stay in church and to not be offended. And I didn't realize it in the moment. I still tried to leave church after that, right? (laughs) But in that moment, I received the strength I needed to stay. And all I had to do was tap into it. And so I really want to go after Ephesians 4.29 And tell us whether you know the Bible verse or not, just know that the creator of the universe, the creator of words themselves, has a mandate over every believer's life. And it's more than just a no cussing verse, right? Because it is. It's the, it's the official verse of like the doctrines of no cussing or whatever. It's the official verse where you're like, someone's having a struggle with this. Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word pass your lips, right? But only say what benefits those who listen, that it will release grace in their lives. But it's so much more that you could actually encourage and propel people to do things they could never do before just by encouraging them. You don't even have to like get all crazy about it. Just giving people simple encouragement actually does monumental things in their life. Because like we talked about, your tongue has the ability to create life. It has the ability to create strength in other people. It is so, so powerful. And every single story that we've heard about how the tongue can be used to destroy, about how people who are drunk with alcohol say such jacked up things to their family members, and it just freaking like takes their life off track, right? And it breaks apart families. And sometimes it's just things they say when they're drunk, and it's whatever. You know, we've heard all these stories, right? Even more than that, there's a flip side where our words used in a positive sense to create life have the ability to create such overflowing and abundant life, encouragement, and joy that it's unbelievable. So the power and the degree that you've seen that words can destroy, they can do in a greater degree to create. Remember when we talked about angels and demons, right? (laughs) Demons are really, really weak, and all they can really do is try to lie to people, try to influence their words, and their words will shape their actions in the way that they see the world, right? But angels have all this power to do all this stuff, right, at the word of God that speaks behind them. <laughs> and so there's this crazy difference where your words have the ability to create life and death, but it's easier to use words to create. It's easier and it's more powerful to use words to create because that is what God designed words to do in the first place. Words were originally released in a creative way to create everything, So the original intent of a word is to create. The original intent of a word is to build up. That's the truth of Ephesians 4.29, that the intention for the word of the believer was always meant, like Jesus, to create things in people's lives, to encourage other people in their lives. And one of the ways Jesus manifests in our life and brings God glory and shows that, wow, that person is living with the Holy Spirit, that person is living like the Jesus inside of them, not just like them, is through our encouraging words. As the crux, I want to have a reputation as being the most encouraging people in the world. To officially dismiss us, I know it's kind of a time where we're studying and we have some big tests coming up, so I'm going to close in prayer really quick. I just pray that Jesus would help you on your tests. You might think that it's cheating, but Jesus Christ himself is actually going to remove the anxiety from the equation. So we just pray for God to help you on your homework and your tests and that you would be blessed. Homework, tests, blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. You guys are officially dismissed. If you want to encourage someone for some reason, then you can continue to encourage people for free. Don't charge them money for free, okay? Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. 
be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.